Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast with more punch than an old firm derby, dedicated to Heart of Midlothian SPFL Reserve Cup winners 2019. I am Laurie Dunsire, a man who has not even watched the entirety of Hart's latest league game. Shame on me. Joined by a man who has, I, I hope, <laughs> Mark Donaldson. Yes, looking forward to discussing that. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts from Tyne Castle on Monday night in the Reserve mm-hmm. um, League Cup final. And looking forward to... Not, we haven't had that much stick, but we, we've had a little bit. Well, not we, I, mainly, with regards ma- to my... Mainly you, yeah. <laughs> not just mainly me, all me, yeah. Look, you put yourself out there with an opinion, you've got to be big enough to, to take the flack. And it, uh, we'll, uh, we'll discuss it as it goes on. It wasn't a hot take. It was a tweet I put out, which I'll read again um, as we go on in, in the show. But, um, yeah, positive, positive few days. And it's what we were looking for from halftime onwards on Saturday through until now. Nicely done. Okay, so let's get right into it this week and start with Heart of Midlothian against Aberdeen. A really big game. So much riding on this one. Hearts were just five behind Aberdeen going into this. So victory for Derek McInnes' side. Could have put them almost out of sight in that maybe race for third, if we can call it that. But a win for Hearts put them right back in the mix. Two points behind the dawn. So a lot to play for. Such a big game. Uh, And I was at a wedding. So... um, Thankfully, Andrew Petrie, very capable, stood in alongside Jamie Sanderson, and I might actually go to more weddings or just other things other than the Hearts games, because I think those two have a 100% run, a 100% record just now. So um, maybe there's an element of, of luck to giving them the, the reins, giving them the headphones. But um, anyway, Mark, it was uh, a big game, and I will quickly summarise and then hand over to you, because I've only watched the highlights of this Um so, poor opening half, by all accounts from Hearts, a fairly scrappy goal, but certainly one that came uh, in the run of play, so it's looked to, to be one that Aberdeen deserved, and they certainly merited their half-time lead by all reports. Second half, though, big changes for Hearts. Uche with a, well, a sitter, to say the least, which he did miss before Jake Moreney won a terrific penalty after a good run, which Sean Clare coolly dispatched. Um, Uche had a supposed dive which he should have been given a penalty for which he didn't but he did have the last laugh in the end after getting on to the end of a long Connor Shocknessy ball through terrible defending from Andy Considine in particular and then Scott McKenna as well great finish by the big man gave Hearts all three points so Mark that's pretty much all I know of the game (laughs) but you managed to watch it in a little bit more detail than me yeah, let, let's try and sum up what we saw. In the first half, we saw more of the same, which has been horrible of late. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, we saw what we we used to be used to, if that makes sense. Yeah. What we used to come to Tynecastle and not expect, but hoped and and got more often than not. So th- they were they were excellent. They, they they really were in the second half, and they were awful in in the first half. And Aberdeen were. Better. Aberdeen weren't brilliant in the first half. This is two tweets I sent out. Okay. First one. 
was Hearts miles off it in that first half, a distinct lack of quality, with Aberdeen looking like the home team and deservedly ahead, because I felt they bossed it. Say it most weeks on Around the, po- uh, Around the Funnel podcast, I wouldn't want Sean Clare in the trenches when the going gets tough. Better second half, hopefully. Second half took place. Full-time tweet. Talk about a game of two halves at Tynecastle. From insipid to inspired, from brutal to battling, from turgid to triumphant, from reactive to proactive, and from despair to delight. That's been a long time coming. Get in there, Jam Tarts. Now, I want to talk about the second tweet first, if you would uh, indulge me, please, because mm-hmm. I, I chose my words kind of carefully, but also um, because there was a link between the first and the second, whether it was starting with the same letter or, or whether it was the opposite of of um, the first word, like proactive and reactive. They were insipid, and, and they've been insipid for a while. And it's this slow start, and it's, it was getting a bit boring. And the whole, oh, Craig Levine and his press conference, I don't know why we're starting slowly. Well, nothing changed. We asked for that last week. Nothing changed. They started slow, and they just continued to, to, to do so. Um, I don't know what was said at halftime, because... We discussed it last week about getting the fans involved. If we start slowly, we're in trouble because the fans are getting their back. And the fans were perfectly entitled to do so. Um, and it wasn't just, look, I, I mentioned Sean Clare. There were a number of players that they didn't get involved in the first half. It was back to basics. It was quicker in the second half. Quicker movement, quicker passing. In their face, a higher line. Um, it was It was just so much better in that second half. And I, I don't know what was said. I have no idea what was said at halftime. Um, but we need to now take that forward for the game against Rangers, for the game against Hibs, um, for the game against Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. And we have to replicate that because we've had a whole chunk of this season which has just been insipid, brutal, turgid, reactive and despairing. We need more inspired, battling, triumphant, proactive and delight. Well, let's hope we do get more of that. Um, I was going to go through some of the messages we received in regards to the Aberdeen game. Um, basically, we were just asking what fans took from, from that game. You know, it's a victory, a good victory, and we've not really had a performance like that, even if it was only the second half of late. Um, Whitburn Hart said, what was key about the second half is that it shows us that we can play very well without Naismith. The referee's performance needs highlighted too. He was utter shocking. Both wing-backs were outstanding on the day. Um, I guess two things to maybe take from that. Just to mention, it is good to see us performing well, I guess, and with some different ideas um, without Naismith in there. And is the man key to that? The guy who scored the winning goal, Uche Ekpiezu, who, and I, I, know, I know you've heard me say this so many times, he is a menace. Um, and he was a real menace to Aberdeen, but effectively a menace. He, and, and this is the key sentence, he was great, absolutely great. And how many players would hide after missing that sitter and just, oh, head goes down and it made him more determined. I love that. And the thing I've said many times on this podcast, and it's, I think it's the most important thing, you put any of us in a maroon jersey, okay, most of us would be rubbish because we're not footballers. It's not our trait. It's not what, we're, what our vocation is in life. But by God, we'd, we'd sweat every last bead we'd strain every sinew we it would be the dream of all dreams for us to represent the football club that we love he's an epitome of that 
Mm-hmm. He's a guy that's come from Cambridge with no connection. He probably didn't even know where Hearts played at Tynecastle. And I'm going to go off quickly on a tangent because I work with Shaka Hislop and a former goalkeeper called Bobby Mikhailov, who you might remember from the World Cup in 1994, signed for Reading um, shortly after uh, Shaka was there. And he'd seen Reading play in the playoffs at Wembley. And he turned up uh, at Elm Park and thought, this is a good training ground. And he was told, no, this is where we play. He goes, no, no, I watched where you play. You play at that big stadium. And he was told, no, 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 th- this is our this is our stadium. And then look, he, he then bought into that football club, um, having probably never heard of them before. Uchi has done exactly the same with us. He sees Hearts as an excellent platform to continue his career, Im- improve his career, and, and hopefully get a better move. If he does, it's because he's been a success. So it's a win-win for both. So he, he epitomised what any Hearts fan, I think, would have been like on that pitch as far as effort is concerned. The referee's an interesting one, John Beaton. Um, that won't go down as one of the, the, the kind of games I'll remember for a refereeing performance. I w- I'll be honest here. I would not like to referee Uchi because it's very, very hard. I saw times on Saturday where I thought, you're at it, but you got away with it. And I saw times and I thought, how have you not got a free kick there? And I feel I feel in agreement with some of what Craig Levine says about the way that he's treated, because I feel his um, the way he's perceived, his reputation goes before him at times. Now, I'll be honest, I thought it wasn't a penalty. I thought he dived based on the, the one look that I got on Hearts TV, which... There was a replay on sports scene, which was clear as day, that it was a penalty all day long. Now, maybe John Beaton, as I say, with referees, you can only give what you see. Maybe that's what John Beaton saw. So I saw first time round. I needed a a replay from a certain angle to show it. But I honestly, Laurie, you've seen him up in the flesh most weeks. Um, I've not. And I don't know how I would referee Uche. It's... It is difficult, and it's been spoken about quite a few times um, in the press area between quite a lot of people. And his his sheer size and strength means. I mean, you see sometimes players, you know, bouncing off him, and you get fouls given against him when he's literally not made a challenge. But he's. I, I mean, I've stood quite near him when we've been walking around the pitch before and after a game, and you know, Jimmy Sanderson sort of. Was was glancing, looked like he was almost looking out at Tynecastle, looking up as we walked past. <laughs> I think Jimmy Sanderson just thinking, God, I'm glad I don't have to defend anymore these days against the size of strikers. But he is just, he's so big and he's so strong that sometimes he'll challenge very fairly for the ball. And, you know, players get wiped out if they jump into him. So mm-hmm. there's, there's moments like that where it's very, very difficult. And it's almost like, I don't know if referees look at it and think, well, if, if he's gone down under a challenge, surely it's, you know, you know, get up, get up, big guy. Look at the size of you. How could he have taken you down? Which is, which is very unfair because just because he's he's obviously got a massive frame and he's a large player and he's got a lot of strength doesn't mean that he doesn't get fouled. So um, I know what you're saying. I completely. I don't think referees really know what to do with him. They're not all. used, Laurie. They're not used to to officiating someone of his ilk because he's 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 unique. There isn't another player. They're big strikers. Sam Cosgrove's a big mm-hmm. lad at Aberdeen, but. I, I, do, I don't know if you remember being the youngster that you are. I remember back in the day, we used to get the world's strongest man on TV and John Paul Sigmason and Jeff Capes and all these guys. And, he, and, they, and they used to pull trucks. <laughs> I think I think Uche could pull a truck. I just think he's so strong. And, and 
you, you talk about players on his back or double teamed or whatever. We, we spoke about this last week in a bit more depth because we were talking about hits or misses or fails or pass or whatever. And we, we both gave Uche a pass, but I gave him a fail for his goal scoring because uh, I don't feel he scored enough. And I, he'd probably give the same. But for effort, ever, oh, he's top of the class for effort. For strength, I mean, good luck with that. And I love this celebration as well. It means everything to him. It honestly does. And I love the point as well that the person that got in touch was talking about Naismith because we, we haven't yet really hit best form without Stephen Naismith. So it was, it was just, it was good. I, I love feeling like that after a game. It's, it's been too long. Um, but it was a 45-minute performance. I'm glad it was the second half and not the first half. <laughs> I, felt they were, I felt they were complacent. I just think they felt it was too easy in the first half. They weren't streets ahead of us, but I didn't see where our goal was coming from. Um, and it, it, just the whole atmosphere. We've both been, and everyone listening to this, have been at Tyne Castle on a big day or a big night when it's bouncing. There's nothing better for us. Now we've got to replicate it. Rangers, for me, is still a bit of a bonus game and that anything you take from them, I'd take a draw right now. I'd, I'd be happy with a draw. Um, Hibs is a big one, followed by Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. Those are the two ones. There's no point in doing it for 45 minutes against Aberdeen, getting everyone's hopes up and then extinguishing them again with, with poor performances. The bar has been set. We know what they're capable of. Now they need to do it more than for 45 minutes. A few other points in the game. Amoruso lets it run um, messaged in terms of, I guess, the things that were important from the game. He said small things, pressing higher up the park and getting yeah, clear 100%. and whiten closer to Uche. This and Aberdeen getting deeper was a turning point on Saturday. So he said those are the little things that kind of changed the game in Hart's favour after the break. Um, is that what you saw as well, obviously watching it in the entirety of that second period? Yeah. Sean Clare, as Sean Clare, we'll speak about him in a second. Uh, Craig Whiten's an interesting one because you look at the game, you think, well, what did he actually do? But he did a lot of things that that were not really noticeable to the naked eye, unless you were looking for it, like getting closer and taking players away. Short, Craig Craig Whiten, for me, um, there's there's certainly something there. I think he's a clever footballer. Runs that he makes, and, and a lot of that's just instinctive. Some you can be taught, others you can't. I, I think there's something there. He, he's certainly a work in progress. And I, I bet you that Uche loves playing with someone like Craig Whiten because I'd like to say he does a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, but Uche, Uche gets good support. And another player, I have to, I have to say, uh, who I was very impressed, Jake Mulraney. Uh, and I don't know if you've had any tweets or whatever. He, he was another player. We, I think we both gave him a fail last week on the whole, um, but both identified that the, there's a player there. Um, so... Whiten and, and Claire. Now, I want to get to this tweet about Claire. I, I, I mentioned it was the, the first tweet I said about wouldn't want Sean Claire in the, in the trenches. So uh, here, here's a couple of things. And I'm happy to discuss abuse or criticism, whatever, and, and I'll tell you my response. Tell me what you think, kind of sitting on the fence. Maroon Tinted Specs, your repeated criticism of Claire is something I've never quite got my head around, if I'm honest, Mark. The Livy thrashing is the only time I feel it's ever been fully merited, and even then, he was not the only guilty party. So I sent a reply, look, it's only a criticism of Sean Clare when we don't have the ball, arising from a frustration that there's definitely a player there when we do have the ball. Increase his work rate when we're not in possession, and he'll be golden. And then I got another um, tweet 
from, let's have a look, from Whitburn Hearts Supporters Club at Burnie Hearts. The work that Sean puts in every game is unbelievable. Up and down that park all day long and gives everything. Yeah, a bit weak in the tackle, but he is a forward. We'd love to see his stats on distance covered each game. The negativity from you on some subjects annoys me. No problem, honestly. The, over here in America, we've got a lot of people that give hot takes. It's just usually the opposite of what everyone else thinks, and then people phone up and say, that's a disgrace. It's not a hot take. I can only give my opinion based on, on what I've seen. And it's an opinion based on um, seeing it on Hearts TV, but also wanting the best for the club and for the player. As I explained in the response about it only being a criticism of him when we don't have the ball, I'll, I'll hold my hands up if I'm getting sick or whatever. I'll, I'll try and respond to it. Um, and yes, there are others. Definitely there are others that can do that. But the reason I've kind of not picked on him, although others would agree that I, that I have, I see a player there. We discussed this last week. We both gave him a fail, but we gave him a pass for, for recent plays. And I even said mm, he'd be one of no, the first I names. Think, I think I yeah. passed him. I passed him. Oh, you, you passed him. Okay. Um, <laughs> don't, I, I, don't, I, don't drag I'm me down. down. You. <laughs> I'm trying to drag you down. But I, I said, look, he's one of the first names on the team sheet of late. I gave him a fail based on the whole season. It's frustrating because there's definitely a player there. We've finally got someone, fingers crossed, touch wood, that, that can take a penalty because they've been excellent. And he's clever. He's, he's, he's clever, he's, he's smart, and there's definitely something there. Um, a bit more... Look, I'm, tr I'm trying to get the perfect player um, with, with Sean Clare. And there's a lot, there's a lot to work on. Uh, and I'm, ha I'm happy to receive the tweets from, from Whitburn Hearts and from Maroon Tinted Specs and, and from others as well. It's, it's just an opinion, and there's no malice. It's not malicious or, or anything like that. We all want the same. We, we all want success for our football club. We're not all going to agree. If you tell me you go into a pub after the game with your pals and you've all got the same opinions all the time, you don't. It's part and parcel of being a football fan. We see the same games, but we see them at times very differently. Healthy debate is good as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Um, but for what it's worth, um, I do think you're a little harsh on, on Sean Clare off the ball. Um, uh, sometimes, uh, I, I, it's, it, it's possibly sometimes maybe doesn't get spotted, but I think he does. There's certainly been games where he's worked quite hard and I've, I've seen him track back and win tackles and quite important. So I, I'm, I'm not going to get in a barney about it, but I would say I think maybe slightly harsh on him. So. Well, the, the one thing I would say, and I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate against myself here. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I can only see what I can see. It's, it's a bit like doing games. I've done thousands of, of games over here on a monitor. Yeah. Right. So I can see what the, the match director offers and what they show. I can't see off the ball. Uh, I can't see anything that isn't being shown. So. There might be times, and, and I'll put my hands up here, a mea culpa. If I'm not seeing something that's actually happening, I, I don't know about it. That, that's the bottom line. So it's, it, it, it's maybe, I'm, I'm maybe in a position whereby my opinion is valid to a certain extent, but <laughs> invalid. No, I'm, I'm, look, I think it's important, Laurie, and we've said this before in this podcast, for us not only to identify problems, but to find solutions as well. And I'm not talking about Sean Clare here. I'm just talking in general. I also think it's important to put your hand on. And this, this is what pisses me off a lot about 
um, politics to a certain extent. I don't want to get involved too much uh, in, in that discussion. Um, however, um, I, I think there's if, if politicians were just to put their hand up and say, look, we screwed up. It, it's just the whole constantly trying to defend. It's it's def, it's defending with deflection, the whataboutery. I'm not all about that. And if, if I'm wrong or, or whatever or something I haven't seen and it's something that he's done, I apologize for that. But I, I haven't I haven't seen it. I just think you've got to be man enough when you're wrong, if you're wrong, to admit that you were wrong. And this is subjectivity, total subjectivity with Sean Clare. There's no right or wrong. And I'm off my soapbox now, and I'll, I'll give you the microphone. Um, I just I just wanted to put my point across while having a go at myself to an extent as well. Over to you. So after that furious backtracking from Mark... No one's um, furious well... backtracking! <laughs> Hold on! Whoa, 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 I'm just... <laughs> I'm just... I'm just sitting here in the middle just watching both sides and just poking you a stick. Um... <laughs> I'd, I'd love... Oh, here, here's, my, here's my ideal scenario, right? He doesn't know who I am and neither he should. But just right now, give me the Scottish Cup final. Give me Sean Clare scoring the winner. And um, Whitburn Hearts and uh, maroon tinted specs and whoever holding a banner saying foxtrot oscar donaldson bring it <laughs> seriously bring it it means we're success i'll take the hit sean claire whips off his shirt to a, a t-shirt of <laughs> your, your your face underneath it there's no way that my head is getting on sean claire's t-shirt it's far too big that man is an athlete i am a gobshite <laughs> and on that maybe whitburn hearts would agree no i'm joking would he let us know at around oh, the funnel boy. and quite rightly so as well um okay before we look ahead to the upcoming Hearts senior games um i thought good to mention the fact that the hearts reserves uh, lifted the reserve cup on monday evening which is last night at the point of recording this i covered the game uh, alongside Andrew Petrie for Hearts TV we did some audio coverage um sitting beside Scott Wilson who stole pretty much three quarters of my bag of wine gums I'll just mention that throw them under the bus for that one um but it was um, interesting to see because uh, it was a chance to look at some hearts players who um either I've not seen or haven't seen much of or haven't seen much of recently um so it was a hearts team with Kelby Mason in goals Cammy Logan at right back who'd played against Kilmarnock at the end of last season um Young Aaron Hickey on the left, who's been on the bench a few times, just 16. Uh, Chris Hamilton, the captain in the middle against Alex Petkoff, who you might remember had a brief appearance in the first yeah. team in the Betfred Cup under Ian Cathro. Um, Andrew Irving and Harry Cochran in the centre. You had Callum Morrison um, out wide. You had Rory Curry leading the line. Ryan Edwards and Lewis Moore, who did a bit of swapping around in the park as well. Um and on the bench, Kevin Silva, Jay Sanderson, Connor Smith, Dean Ritchie, Dario Zanata, and the massive, towering figure of Daniel Bauer. Um, no, da is, oh. is Daniel, have they found a position yet for Daniel? Oh, I don't know. He, he, he played uh, about 60 seconds, came on in injury time, but um, he's huge, unbelievable size. I think he's two metres tall. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it was quite... You, uh, wait a minute. We, we don't even have Brexit yet, and you're already using the metres instead of the feet and inches. Come on, son. What's going on? <laughs> I'm sorry. He's about six foot six. Thank um, you. 
So anyway, uh, fairly even first half. I think Hearts had more possession, but neither side really got going. Second half, though, Hearts really took the game to Motherwell and deservedly ran out 2-0 winners. Um, goals came from Lewis Moore after some persistence from Rory Curry, and then Callum Morrison after, again, persistence this time from Dario Zanata off the bench, cut it back, and Morrison knocked the ball in. So it was interesting. There were 1,700 fans there, which I thought was decent turnout for what is... A reserve game, you know, both yeah. sides. There's no age restrictions for people who don't know. This isn't like the development squad, so a club could effectively play their entire first team. They're certainly not going to, and certainly not when both teams had senior games two days after. But it was useful to see. And what I would mention is Harry Cochran and Andrew Irving were very good in the middle. Both looked, you know, above that level, which is good to see. And Harry Cochran is still only 17. Andrew Irving isn't a player I've seen much of. I've seen him a couple of times in the first team, and I thought he looked very capable. From speaking to the likes of Andrew, who sees the reserve team most games, he said Andrew Irving is usually the standout, but his confidence on the ball, his distribution, his awareness was all top-notch. thought he was one of the standouts. Um, young Aaron Hickey, I can see why he's maybe been put on the bench. Part of the reason he's been put on the bench is because the club has very few left-backs available recently, and he's been pushed into the left-back role. He's um, he's both-footed, and he, he does look 16. I think I mentioned in the game, if he just took a couple of yards, uh, stepped back a couple of yards, he wouldn't look out of place standing, uh, throwing the ball back to the players on the pitch. Um, so still very slight, and very young, but he had a lot of confidence on the ball. And it was interesting, one thing we mentioned as well was, you know, the typical, oh, Craig Levine, big, massive team, oh, I... Not at all. I think you could see it set pieces, and when team when we were lining up waiting for throw-ins to happen or the game to start, I think Alex Petkov is the only player who started the game who seemed to have much height at all. So a very, I say, a, a tidy team on the ball, which is interesting to see. So it was good. It was good. I don't know if you've seen much of these youngsters in action before. Yeah, well, I, I've seen highlights um, when they're put up on the website. Andy Irvin or Andrew Irvin is a player I like. Um, I've got some questions for you, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. based on based on the the performance. Uh, before that, I want to um, talk about a couple of things which I saw from the goals. Um, Zanata's ball in. I I just loved Callum Morrison here because I watched his run, and when the ball's free on the left hand side, he's still outside the box when that cross comes in. Before that, he sprints. Now, it's reliant on the ball being delivered perfectly, which it was. But just any youngster, and I say youngster, I'm talking like kids that are just starting out in football and, and want to try uh, and improve themselves. Just watch that. And, and it's one of those runs that could easily have ended up being wasted because the balling wasn't good or whatever. It was overhit or, or anything. But his run was, was phenomenal, Callum Morrison. I thought it was absolutely excellent. Um, Lewis Moore's a player I like from the first team. I, I saw him a couple of times. Um, so, a couple of questions for you. Chris or Christopher Hamilton, captain, decide. Um, is he a, a, a future first teamer short term? Is he someone that could be um, integrated next season or does, does he still have a bit to go? It's, it's a very tough one to, to call. He played against Kilmarnock at the end of last season. He did really well against Chris Boyd as well. I think the main thing with Chris Hamilton, and it's, it's really unfortunate to keep highlighting it, but 
he's he's very short for a centre back, and you okay. you, you notice it um, at centre back. But he, he seems to have very good judgment of the ball in the air, so he still wins a few headers. Um, his reading of the game was very good. He put in a good few sliding tackles that should be mentioned. I didn't mention this before, but Danny Johnson was up front for Motherwell. Um, and mm-hmm. he's played quite a few first-team games and scored quite a few goals this season for the first team. Yep. So he's um, 26. So he was the most experienced player in the park and he was snuffed out, didn't get a look in. Um, okay. And I thought a lot of that was down to Chris Hamilton. So I think if the physical side of the game, it's interesting because you know Daniel Bauer we is huge and he's not just tall but he's got a massive physique he's you know he's six foot six and he's built very big i've not seen much of daniel bauer so i couldn't comment whether he's going to make it or not but for instance if you put chris hamilton with the ability i've seen with him in a body of that size i think there'd be absolutely no doubt that he should be getting into the first team i i think that might be one of the possible um things that might hold him back especially if you're coming up regularly against um, adult strikers on a weekly basis, you know, fully grown, six foot two, built, uh, that could be the challenge. For instance, if you had Chris Hamilton up against Uche, although it's maybe unfair because even Scott McKenna could barely get near Uche, that could be the challenge. So if it, if if his if his size becomes it doesn't be it doesn't hold him back, then I don't see why not because certainly football ability and awareness defending from what I've seen of him and what I've heard, he's got everything at the moment. Okay, well, look, I'm not. <laughs> he's not. Before anyone says, "Oh, you can't believe you're comparing him with him," Fabio Cannavaro was never the tallest. No, but no. had had a lot of good attributes. Okay, question two. Mm-hmm. I think we need a new goalkeeper for the new season. Kelby Mason, what's he like? Don't know. <laughs> he didn't have um, much to do. He didn't have an awful lot to do. He made a capable save in the first half. Well, not spectacular, but a good save. That was the only real test he had, to be honest. There was okay. some balls to collect, but I, the the honest truth is he, he wouldn't really have had enough to do. He didn't do anything wrong, um, but I certainly couldn't have seen anything to make a call on whether he'd make the step up. Okay. Um, and he's he's 20 now, so it's kind of getting to that point where you'd think he's going to have to start getting a look in towards the first team, or it's probably not going to... He's not going to last. And Kevin mm-hmm. Silva is the same, the American who he signed at the start of the season. He's 21 and he was on the bench. So <clears throat> couldn't say, I'm afraid. While we talk about the bench, why was Dario Zanata on the bench and not starting? Well, it's probably because he'd played at the weekend. Um, gotcha. Be- okay. Gotcha. Um, because the likes of Dario Zanata, Lewis Moore, these players are out on loan as well. Yes, he a- exactly. He actually scored the winner against championship leaders Ross County at the weekend. So um, I can only think that's the reason why um, he didn't start. Because when he came on, he certainly made a difference. He was caused a lot of trouble for the Motherwell defence. And he did really well for the goal, didn't give it up. Um, and it was very obvious in the second half. Hearts really pressed Motherwell. And they kept trying to play out from the back. And they kept forcing errors. And both goals were very avoidable from a Motherwell perspective. But um, yeah, I think uh, that's probably why he didn't get in the first 11. Um, did King Harry leave us with egg on our face with a horrific performance or did he prove that he should be more involved in the first team? Harry Cochran. One of the best players out there. I thought him and Irving bossed the second half from the middle. Very confident. Um, played some passes around. Um, read the game well. He seemed to have that and I kept saying it during commentaries like I want to see the players who look like they shouldn't be playing this level. 
that's what I want to see out there. And he was one of them who I thought, just with the way the ball kind of stuck to his feet, when he occasionally just... He, 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 you've seen it in the first team sometimes as well. He kind of puts his head up and then he steps away from a challenge and he still looks like he's looking for a pass and doesn't even need to think too much about holding off a player, which mm. I, which I like. It just kind of sticks to his feet very well. Um, I thought he, as I say, I thought him and Irving were brilliant in the middle. Um, so I, based on that, I know it's a reserve game, so you've obviously got to take you've got to take that into account. But based on that, I think he should certainly be needing the first team again. And I guess maybe it's not that bad a thing because the first team he maybe doesn't get the chances to develop that side of it as much he maybe gets put under a lot of pressure he gets scott brown's nipping at his heels and not giving him the chance to look up for passes and develop that side of his game so i've seen a few people saying it maybe there's an argument that this is good for harry cochran just now that he, he is still developing uh, yeah. there yeah but I, there's, there's there's two sides to, to look at this yeah. one he, and Craig, Craig Levine has, has said it. They are working on bulking him up because he does. He, he will get brushed off. Um, technical ability is definitely there, but you want more strength. And if it's 12 months of strength and conditioning work while working for the reserves and playing for the reserves, it might be what, what is required. I, I don't know. Um, the other thing is as well, surely you get better quicker playing with better players. Um in the yeah. first team, mm-hmm. so uh, look, it's an ongoing thing that, that we've we've got. It's not an agenda; it's a campaign. We'll keep going. Um, the other final question I've got about the game: out of the eleven that started and those that came on, how many do you think will be first team squad regulars going forward? Hard to say. I mean, I'll go through them quickly. Kelby Mason, at the moment, based on what I've seen, hard to say. I couldn't make that call and at 20 I'd probably say you're not going to see him around Cammy Logan at right back he's still I think he's just 17 just now I thought he did pretty well got up and down um good energy could see him around there Hickey as well Hamilton mm-hmm. so I'd probably say I'd expect at least three or four of them to be around the squad I mean in particular okay. I can't see Irving and Cochrane not to be honest I'd be very surprised Sometimes when they're at the age of 16, 17, you know, you see a tidy player for that age, but it doesn't happen for for whatever reason over the two years that follow that. But um, I think Irving and, and Cochrane are at the point where I'd be quite, if we had a home game against, uh, and with all due respect to these sides, a Dundee or a Motherwell, sides who have, you know, sometimes caused us problems, I wouldn't have any qualms with looking at the lineup and, oh, there's Irving and Harry Cochrane starting. I don't think that would phase me. Uh, one interesting thing about the players now, Callum Morrison is one we've talked about quite a bit recently. And at halftime, I have to say, people were going, Christ, Callum Morrison's crossing is embarrassing. Mm. And the first half, it was it's very frustrating. It was similar to the first team. He kept getting in great positions, you know, good pace, skipping past challenges, holding players off, and then just firing at 20 yards out of play. And it just kept happening. His crossing was terrible. It, it was. I mean, I can't say anything else about it. Um, then in the second half, we almost scored twice when he whipped in absolutely cracking balls. And I don't know, it's it's odd. He often overhits them. He seems to try and hit a lot of power in the crossing more than anything. It's not like he floats them too much or he hits them low to the front post. It's usually that he absolutely batters it over and he, and he overhits it. So he hit a couple of great ones in the second half and he did really well for the goal. Um, it's interesting. 
I saw some people online when I was scrolling through Twitter and then kicked back as oh, well. Oh, don't trust them. Don't oh, I know, trust but them. It was just an interesting idea saying the likes of Morrison, I think someone mentioned Mulraney as well, sometimes are they an option more central? Because he did well for the goal. He's got a lot of pace. He's got a lot of skill. He seems to have a decent shot on him. His biggest problem at the moment is his crossing. Yeah. Would he be an option, even in a, an attack, a more attack, you know, a striking position or a an attacking, but you know, a th- one of the three behind the striker, something like that? I don't know. Maybe try in a reserve game. That's the place to 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 experiment. Because he's got um, a lot of ability. It's, and yeah. The, and the thing with that is, and we've we've said it with other players, it's like with Uche. And we've, and we've said it before, you know, Uche's absolutely fantastic. We want to hold on to him as much as we can. But he has one big obvious flaw is his finishing. But it's good if you can highlight a player that you can say, well, he's got this, this, this. He's got so many attributes. This is the thing that we can see he's not good at just now. If we can get that good, then suddenly we've got a complete player. And Morrison's the same. If you are going to play him as a winger, you can see he's fast. He's got really quick feet. He's got a lot of energy. He's determined. He's actually quite tough to get off the ball as well. Um but he just needs to work on that crossing. If you can then, if you can just highlight that area and work on that, and if you can get that to the point of it being an attribute. And I think Callum Patterson was like that, because if, if Callum Patterson, when he first came and he was being played out wide, he was up and down, he was great in the air, he had so much energy, he could take players on. His crossing was not good. And then I remember he went through this period when it got better and better to the point where I remember suddenly we were like, do you remember six months ago we were talking about how bad Callum Patterson's crossing is? It's like, Christ, suddenly his technique is like incredible with his crossing. Um, so it's, just, it's it's good, I think, to have that. And I know we've criticised him, which I'm sh- I'm positive that the Hearts coaching staff will have talked about it and he will have looked at his displays and said, yeah, the crossing was poor. So I think it's good that you can highlight an area that we know he can work on and potentially become a more complete player. But all in all, I think that's a pretty positive report card that you've just delivered yeah. from last night. So yeah, that that's that's exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing how many of them can progress, save us a bit of money. And I was thinking when you were talking about um, Cochran and Irving, I was just thinking five years down the line. Now a lot happens, and it's very rare for a lot of players to come through as one um, and play for the first team, but I just had this um, vision in the future of a defensive midfielder, a, a Peter Haring type, protecting to allow a kind of three in front of Cochrane, Anthony McDonald, and Andrew Irvin. Mm. Um, because from what we've seen, there's, there's a very, very small chance that, that the three of them all come through and play together. And and are the the kind of heartbeat, excuse the pun, of the team going forward. The concern, I mean, I haven't seen enough of the three of them. I'm not sure if they're all maybe a little bit similar. Would you say that Irving and McDonald and and Cochrane are maybe too similar hmm. to to play in there together, or do they have their different attributes? From what I've seen of Irving, I think he'd be deeper. Um, okay. I think more of could he, be, could he be the holder then? A deep lying playmaker, not a defensive kind of holder like Haring, but yeah, like a deep lying playmaker who looks to spray passes. He showed that ability against Hamilton when he played against him last season. Got a really good assist for uh, David Milinkovic in that game. Um, so I, I think 
you could see him more deeper as opposed to being an attacking midfielder. But again, I'm only basing on a few okay. a few appearances I've seen, and Cochrane could be the same. But yeah, like a McDonald certainly looks like he'd be a good player to have either on the wing. Like or him, in really a, like him. I do as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm interesting just to on the, to to finish up on the reserve game. Your your pal Whitburn Hearts actually tweeted us um, and he said a couple of points from last night's reserve cup final Harry Cochran is a wonderful footballer but in my opinion we need to stop shouting for him to be brought into the first team let him develop where he is because he's still only a 17 year old boy um, and he also went on to say what a talent Andy Irving is now that is a talent that's ready for first team action boss that midfield like an experienced pro stepping down to help the reserves win the cup well done again to the Young Hearts team mm, last good night Okay, moving on to the senior side. Um, Hearts have two games coming up, one at Ibrox and one at Tynecastle, of course, the big Edinburgh derby. Now, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so we're aware that quite a few of you tuning in probably will have already watched, listened to, or at least know the score from the game at Ibrox. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but I'll briefly talk about Rangers. So it's a Wednesday night game at Ibrox. Hearts will be missing Uche Ekpiezu after his concussion against Aberdeen um, but Rangers will be out without Alfredo Morelos Andy Halliday and maybe Ryan Kent who's been <laughs> what who's... was that all about a fast track tribunal that's about as fast as me trying to run and oh surely it should be well wait a minute you missed the next game you don't fart about deciding whether or not we're going to charge you and then say well you can play the next so what happens if he plays gets sent off or doesn't get sent off, punches someone, and it's not spotted by the referee, then what? I mean, come on. Yeah, because he's been offered two oh, games. For... and um, Yeah, if... but the tribunal's not going to be until Thursday. Uh, hold... here, here we go. If, if Rangers choose if to contest ch- the yes. match. So yeah. basically, they, they can play the system here as anybody would, as any club. So this isn't having a go at Rangers. Um, they they probably know he's not going to get off with it, but that's a free pass. It's a thousand pounds, assuming they can afford that. But it means they're they're going to get him to play in a game they're already without their most creative goal scorer or their best player, Alfredo Morelos. They're already without their left back, Andy Halliday. Why would they want to be without a th- another player when they can just have a flippant appeal, pay the thousand? And then have it on Thursday, and then the player gets banned. Well, I suppose the the risk is that no one knows what the second game. If he if he still got a two game ban, that'll be after the split. So we don't know if that's Pataudry, if that's Celtic in the dar- in the derby. It's unlikely to be that one, but could be. So I guess that's the risk that Rangers would run: is that would they see Hearts at home as a more winnable game, even without Morelos, than potentially. Uh, risky, could be Aberdeen, could be... I can't remember who, who they're due to play home and away off the top of my head right now, but I guess that's one thing. Um, and there is now... I, again, I don't know the rules off the top of my head on this one. I f- can't quite remember, but I believe if they decide, if they appeal it and it's reviewed and they actually decide, well, we're looking at it again, we're thinking it's actually... This is worse. It actually merits more. They can, I think, give more if the... The, the fast track tribunal decide actually we don't think he got enough games first of all and when's that has that actually happened yet the whole I, system I, in, I, in, in Scotland is a joke I can't believe it's only two games to be honest he he punches him he swings up 
he swings his fist at him. I mean, I, I know it's not a big a big connection, but that's not just a, a swing of the elbow in frustration or a push. Laurie, they make it up as they go along. Seriously. I mean, the whole Morelos stuff and, and what is and what isn't. There's there's a number of other things. And they talk about trial by sports scene. Um, I, I know a couple of people um, who deal with various people in the game. And this compliance officer has not made too many friends about the way she goes about her business. And I know it's maybe not her directly that, that does stuff, but it's just, it's impossible to know what's going to happen. And look, hearts in the past have used, used the system to their advantage with a mm-hmm. flippant yeah. appeal. But you have to have the balls if you are whoever is involved in making the decision to say, you know what, that was a flippant appeal. A bit like when a player gets booked um, intentionally because he knows that the, the second leg or, or match day six in the Champions League means absolutely nothing and he'll be free to play uh, in a more important game. It's it, it's a caution which is, is intentional and quite rightly, like Sergio Ramos was the, the latest, you get punished for it. Flippant appeals should be punishable with four or five, double. Basically, give them double if it's a flippant appeal and that includes hearts. It would stop everyone from doing it because right now, Rangers or whoever... If I'm them, I'm just again depending on who, who what they want to miss. But you, you can you can play the system. It's a nonsense. I agree. But back to the game. Oh yes. Um, yes so yes. Uh, very quickly, I mean, it's not a happy hunting ground for Hearts. They've got two wins at Ibrox in 15 years. Only one of those in the top flight, and three wins in the last 23 years. Um, they've lost five in a row to Rangers home and away, but Rangers are without a win in five in their last two home games. That were a defeat to Aberdeen and a draw with Kilmarnock. And they're obviously on the back of a disappointing old firm defeat in the end. Um, now, we've mentioned it was good to see Hearts performing without Stephen Naismith, but they will be going to Ibrox without Stephen Naismith and without Uche Ekpiezu. Can Hearts get anything from this game? And if so, how do they do it? They play the way they played in the second half, not the first half. End of. Simple. Okay. Up front, who's it going to be? It's a good question. It's not going to be Vanacek. Honestly, I'd rather play Kelby Mason up front right now. He shouldn't play again this season. I I, I just, he's he's shown absolutely nothing. He's been embarrassing when when he's started or when he's come on. He's been hauled off early and he he needs a pre-season. I mean, what do we have left? And that was tongue-in-cheek about saying I'd start Kelby Mason in front. Um, I got that. Wh- I know, I know. <laughs> Sean, by the way, Sean Clare could play through the middle. We'd have to track back, mind you. <laughs> don't don't go back there, come on. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, what have we got? McLean? I mean, is it a needs must? Whiten? I mean, I don't think Whiten did anything wrong at the weekend, certainly in the second half, that would say, well, you, you need to be back to the bench. Um, and if I'm Whiten and McLean would start ahead of me, I'd be pissed. So could Whiten, you're not going with two strikers. So would, would it be Whiten leading the line? Um, we don't really have many other options, do we? Okay. Okay. Well, what I'll do is I'm going to go through a few messages because... Um, oh, dear. Uh, we wanted to look ahead to Rangers and to Hibs, and we're going to get on to Hibs in a moment. So um, what I was looking for was 
what are fans expecting from the Rangers and Hibs games? And just how big is that derby now? Um, Willie Laidlaw says four points. He's looking for three of them off Hibs. Um, Lewis McKenzie doesn't expect much from the Rangers game, despite it being a bigger chance with them missing players. But derby speaks for itself. Both games are massive for us, building momentum for the semi too. It was clear in the party game we were lacking confidence and a cutting edge. Andy Grant said he wanted six points from the last three, and that was two home games. We simply can't be allowing Hibs hope. The ideal scenario is Killy win the morn, and we send him into the bottom six. That's obviously mentioned the fact that Hibs will play Kilmarnock on the Night Hearts are playing, at Rug- um, are playing Rangers, which means that, feasibly, Hearts could go in the derby behind Hibs. Um, Big C, optimistic, says he always expects Hearts to win. So that's it, that's it. Here's one I like. Thomas Crook says, anything, this is, <laughs> I think he's being sarcastic and maybe trying to sum up Harps fans and their expectations. Thomas Crook says, anything less than eight points from the next two games is unacceptable. <laughs> That's why he's Thomas Crook. <laughs> I'm going to offer you something. You're going to tell me if you wouldn't mind if you would accept my offer or okay. not. It, it's, it's basically what's in the box. This is a deal or no deal. Okay. okay? Yes. I'm Noel Edmonds, right? Now, you have two boxes. The box that you have shall remain unopened. The box I have, I have just opened right now. And inside that box is a total for our next two games of two points, which there's no way else it could be apart from two draws. So do you wish my two points, so a draw against Rangers and a draw against Hibs, no. Or do you wish to open your box, which is let the two games play out? No, have to let them play out. Okay. If you said Fine. three, if you said three points. No, no, because I would have taken that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd, 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 I expect them to lose at Ibrox, even though the Rangers are honking right now with no players. Um, but I would, I'd be, I'd be frustrated if we don't get the win at home, having gone there and won, having dropped two points at home. Um, but I'm just saying that. Look, that the reason I offered you that is is momentum thing, in that you're you're unbeaten in the two games, but do you lose momentum by not beating Hibs at home going into a cup semi final? So I think the majority of Hearts fans would probably do what you did. I would as well, and not take the two points. I'd I'd, I'd fight it out. We might end up with none or one. That's the gamble. But I think the majority would probably say no. I'll 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 not open that box. I'll I'll keep mine. Okay, well, talking about the derby, um, a quick other, a quick couple of other messages. Fox or Oscar does say, no Uchi makes me think it'll be a loss to Rangers and the derby, anything can happen. Would love six points. Delighted with four, could easily be zero. Um, Harry Temple says, Rangers game, anything is a bonus. No new injuries or suspensions will do me. Hibs game, three points a must. And I think that would probably be where most Hearts fans would be. I mean, despite the fact that Rangers will be missing two players. I suppose Morelos is the big one really, because he's their top scorer, he's their main threat. Um, Kent would be a big one, but there's every chance he will be available, even with them missing. They've still got a big squad. Hearts do generally struggle at Ibrox. If they could go there, get a stodgy nil-nil, I think that would be a terrific result under the circumstances. Then they go into the derby. Now the derby is obviously massive, especially given the resurgence from Hibs under Paul Heckingbottom. Um, 
They were above Hearts before the Aberdeen game after their Friday night win against Livingston. They could be above Hearts before the Derby if they get a win against Kilmarnock and Hearts don't against Rangers. But they got five wins from their last six league games. That's prior to the Kelly game. Obviously, they won three in a row on the road. But, Mark Donaldson, Hearts have only lost one of the last six derbies and they're undefeated in ten at Tynecastle, dating back to May 2013. And Uche Igpiezu hopefully will play. And that is He'll key. Play. That's key, I yeah, think. He, he's passed all the concussion tests and, and he, by all accounts, he wanted to play at Ibrox, but Hearts are maybe being smart and saying, like, well, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, he wanted to come back on at Tynecastle. Oh, I know, I know, on a stretcher. I'd just it'd be torn a stretcher as he goes up for a, a high ball. Um, I think it's sensible for Hearts because you don't, you don't take chances with something like that. And Craig Levine did say, I'm going to leave it to the medical staff. Um, I just want him available for him, which he will be by not playing. I'm pretty convinced of that. You never know what can happen. The atmosphere at Ibrox, he might get caught up in it, might get sent off, or or, or get hurt or whatever. For me, the Hibs game's a bigger game. Um, because yeah, if we can get yeah. three points... Yeah, and people will say, oh, it's three points, just like the Rangers game. No, I, a lot is... A lot of... Um, a lot of importance is placed on this Hibs game because it could give us a continuation of, of momentum with a home form that would take us into the, the semi-final. Um, Interesting one, this because I think I think they're a better footballing team than us. I think we're a better team. But I think if it's just purely based on style and of football, I think they're better than us. So if we stop them from doing that, I think we'll win because we'll have home advantage. Um, I think we have to we have to be a it has to be a Craig Levine performance um, of old and up and at them, uh, chopping at them. Um, nipping their their heels, um, quick start. I, I don't know what the issue is because you you don't want to be you don't want to be playing catch up. You don't want to be a goal down or going at nil nil because you've come out slow. You want to you want to start quick, and that's what I'm, I'm. I'll be interested to see, and I know a lot of people will be listening to this after the Rangers game. I'll be interested to see what happens in the first fifteen minutes. If we're timid, then it's a concern because the momentum's there. And we've got to start on the front foot. And I think if we can do that in the derby, I'm, I'm optimistic. But I think we have to stop them playing because it might not be everyone's cup of tea me saying that, but I honestly think they are, they are a better footballing side when they're allowed to play than we are. But I think we, I think Sorry. we, I think we uh, all round, I think we're a better team. With Thanks. better players. With better players, I would say, as well. But I don't think we're as good a footballing team as them. Hearts win? Yep. Excellent. That's what I'm going with as well. So early kickoff on Saturday. Hopefully a Hearts victory in the derby to... Kevin, Kevin Kyle with the winner. <laughs> Kevin Kyle with the winner. And it's, it's so interesting to look at the league table because that win against Aberdeen has really opened up. I mean, despite Rangers' problems, it's, it's hard to see them not holding on to second. But... With seven games left of the season, it's now Kilmarnock 54 points, Aberdeen 52, Hearts 50, and Hibs 48. Arguably now, four teams realistically in the race for third and you know, fourth can be potentially a European spot as well. So it's very interesting there suddenly. It is. And I think this podcast this week should be brought to you by a GIF. 
And that gif is Homer Simpson appearing from a hedge and then hastily retreating. And the gif is, for all the Hibs fans, gloating about their being fifth after their win at Livingston and saying, ah, ha, 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 the only way is down, Craig Levine, up you and everything. Yeah, I didn't hear from them after the Hearts Aberdeen game. Maybe they were all out and celebrating their win at Livy. I don't know. But that this week I want this this podcast to be like Sesame Street is usually brought to you by numbers and letters. I want this podcast, Laurie, this week to be brought to you by the Homer Simpson gif where he comes out the hedge <laughs> and then hastily retreats when uh, it didn't quite go according to plan. Well, it's just like Hibbs um, mocking hearts for apparently winning the league back in September. It's uh, Hibbs now having the open top bus parade for being top for being above hearts <laughs> for less than twenty four hours. So I don't know if they get a trophy for that, do they? Oh, they can have whatever they want. They had their uh, they had their <laughs> relegation party, remember, that 3,000 attended, and then uh, a hell of a lot more attended about five or six weeks later, um, way back when. So let's not worry about them. Let's let's just let's just enjoy next week's podcast if we've had two good results, and then go back to square one if we're playing the way we played on on, on occasion. But I don't I. I think we're better against better teams, Laurie, at home. I just think I think we get it. Mm-hmm. I think we struggle against teams that sit in. Hibs won't sit in. Hibs will not do what St Mirren did, what Livingston did, what Dundee did. Hibs will feel that they are a better team than Hearts and they'll come at Tynecastle and win. Fine. I'd much rather be playing them um, with the atmosphere and the Hearts fans outnumbering the Hibs fans and, and just the whole thing. Um, I'd much rather be 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 playing them this weekend than a turgid nil nil against Livingston at home when they just sit in and we can't break them down. Let's hope it's a good game and more importantly, let's hope it's a Hearts win. We will be back after the Hibs game and <laughs> they're they're coming thick and fast there, Mark. Because I'm just about to say we'll be back after the Hibs game and before. The Hearts Scottish Cup semi-final. So what a, a run of matches we have up. We don't even know what will be immediately after that because that will be the top six split. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for the coming weeks. Careful now. Careful now. Okay, I don't know. Let's not get too optimistic. Well, let, let's hope that Hibs are Homer Simpson Simpsoning it after this weekend and getting back in the hedge, and Hearts are well and truly battling in that race for third spot. Um. Thanks for tuning in, uh, and we'll see you next time after, what, six points? Is that what you, what you offered me? Six points. Yeah. I offered you? That's what I'm taking. I offered you, t- I offered you two. Come on, Noel Edmonds, it said six. Okay. Go! Nope.